0: In our world, greatness is seen by lording over all. Meanwhile, greatness from God's eyes is seen quite differently, as we'll see next here on Truth For Today. Scramble and climb a ladder to the top just so you could get the corner office at the top of the building. And make sure that everybody knows they're underneath you. Meanwhile, for success and prosperity, God's idea and design is vastly different. And it's found in John chapter 13, verses 12 through 17. It's here that greatness stoops to serve. We see Jesus doing something quite unusual. And this is where we catch up with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, with today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
1: Jesus is in the upper room. We're going to read two other passages to show you what was going on before the upper room. And then we'll look at a passage in Luke and tells you what was going on in the upper room. And then we'll try to share some thoughts what Jesus says to us and see how greatness takes time to stoop, to serve. So when he had washed their feet, And taking his garments, remember he had stripped himself of them. He stripped down to a slave's uh, inner garments. And he reclined at the table again. He said to them, do you know what I have done to you? The answer, no. They do not know what he did. He said in verse 7, do you understand what I did? No, they didn't. They just saw a physical act being done. They missed the spiritual parable being acted out in front of them. They were clueless of the spiritual depth of what's happening. One depth is just physical feet being washed. On the other hand, he's speaking of spiritual cleansing. He's modeling to them what leadership in his church will look like. And what the body in the future, what kind of operation they will operate from. Will it be the Gentile model that they grew up with? Or what's happening? Christ is introducing a radically different model of what leadership and what greatness in his kingdom looks like. So he says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right for so I am. Comment. Some of you are calling him the right name, but you're not living the right model. You can be right on the theology and wrong on practice, right? You can know all the names. Watch. If I then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I Give you, I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Now, there's some groups that actually wash feet. Have anyone ever been in a foot-washing service? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way, I admire anybody that would do anything that looks like obedience. Nothing wrong with it. But I think it's a deeper meaning than that. And the, the real washing they needed was a spiritual one. So I think the war scene is picturing servanthood, serving one another. And there's a lot of dirty feet in the church. And you don't need to wear a towel to church. You probably need to wear an attitude of which you're willing to serve. But he said, I gave you an example. And I want you to do as I did. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master. Nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. It's a gentle way to say, if you just do what I did, you're going to be blessed. It's not a strong rebuke as much as, if you want to be blessed, emulate me. I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but it is that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. From now on, I am telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. A magnificent picture of a stooping servant, Christ in this upper room. But I want to show you two other passages to give you a contextual feel of what's going on in these men. What, what actually is their attitude? Go back to Matthew 20, Matthew 20, and see, as Christ is telling them in verse 17, uh, we're going to Jerusalem, and I must be delivered up to be killed by the Gentiles. I thought you should know that. I'm going to be scourged. I'm going to be crucified. Now, what if someone told you that on the way somewhere, and you said, "Uh, go with me. I'm getting ready to be killed. I just wanted to serve you notice. Would that have any effect on what you would have to say to them? Watch. Then the mother of Zebedee, Came to Jesus with his sons, bowing down, making a request of him. Otherwise, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He'll probably be there within a day. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and one on your left. Great sensitivity. And it's believed from the other Gospels that the boys put it in the mouth of their mother to make the request. And this woman is the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's believed to be Salome. So it's their auntie, the aunt of Jesus. Would you get a favor for us? And uh, he says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink? Oh, yeah, we can. So he sees to it that they're martyred. They do die a vicious death. And when the others heard this, the other ten, they became indignant. Christ says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. Gentile Roman authority in Palestine. Watch. It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Wait, greatness is servanthood? That's what he said. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave-owned property. Watch, watch. Just as the Son of Man, what I'm asking you to do is exactly what I'm doing among you. I'm among you as one who serves. I'm among you as a slave. I'm not here to dominate, rule over you, although I am Lord of all creation, although I'm God of very God. I came among you as a slave servant. So emulate me, whatever you do. And by the way, as a slave servant, I will die and purchase you. But I'm leaving you a model of what leadership in my household is going to look like. Then, go to Luke 22. Luke 22. Verse 24. They've already taken the bread. Remember me. They've taken the cup. Remember me. Isn't this a blessed thing? Come on. What if Jesus was here today, and he broke the bread and said, Take, this is my body. Here's the juice. Take and drink. This is my blood. Is that a magnificent environment? Say amen. I give a cue card. You're supposed to talk back. They're not just rhetorical. I want to hear you. Now watch verse 24. They're in the upper room. He's broken the bread. He shared the cup. And there arose a dispute among them as to who is the greatest. Could you imagine that while we're serving communion Sunday morning, two of the deacons get in an argument in front of all of you. Who's the best man? What a setting to have an argument about who's the greatest. And this is exactly where they're doing it. I I, I wouldn't believe it if it wasn't in Scripture. Take them out and hang them. You couldn't be more insensitive. You couldn't be surely You've been with him three and a half years, and that's what's on your mind in the shadow of the cross? We're, we're less than 12 hours from him being crucified, and this is what's on your mind? Yes, it is what's on our mind. There will be no first if Christ doesn't go to the cross. There will be no first if Christ doesn't get a kingdom. Why don't you get preoccupied with him? But they're preoccupied with their And it goes on, the same thing as the Matthew. The kings of the Gentiles they lorded over them, but it will not be this way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must be the pope. Must be the pastor. Be like the youngest, and that was that culture that you weren't even heard until you were thirty years of age. Couldn't even talk in adult conversation till thirty. You are seen not to be heard. The leader will be like the servant. For who is greater? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Why, it's the one who reclines at the table. But I am among you as one who serves. Be like me. I am the model. I just read a great line by Charles Spurgeon. I had rather be overseen six free men who love me and that I could lead by influence than to be the dictator over a whole nation that I had to subjugate. How do we lead? What is the model in the midst of God's church and among God's word on how we get the work done? Well, in light of this context, Let's notice four things about the posture Christ takes in this room. First of all, love gets on its knees. He said in verse 1 of 13, I want to show you how much I love you. So you can never take this posture until you come to love the people you're serving. And I ask you, would you want to be buddies with these 12 men men that are arguing, men that are competing, one that's already sold you out for 30 pieces of silver, and another 11 that will abandon you that night. You know what it's kind of like to me in reverse? Do you ever see the uh, a series Undercover Boss? It's like if Jesus was playing the Undercover Boss... And he comes on as a servant and is examining how the the kingdom's gonna be operated in his absence, how the church is gonna be run in his absence with these twelve guys and one eliminated. And if you see that series, you know it's very moving. Some nights I'm very moved by it to see someone working at an assembly line or a fast food place, and people just doing an outstanding job and they don't know the boss is next to them. And others might be deadbeats. And he's seeing bad practices that is hurting the business or the company. And the way this series usually winds up is at the end of it, you know, he calls all of them to the headquarters and those who've just done a great job and didn't even know who he was, You know, he'll pay tuition for their child, or he'll send them here. He does these great deeds because they were so motivated in his absence. It didn't matter if the boss was there or not. They were doing a great job. What Christ is doing here, he should have fired everybody in the room. Don't give any of these jokers a promotion. Fire them. Start all over. Is this the best you can do, Jesus? Come on. Can't you pick people better? Surely this is the best you can do. We interview people for jobs, and we still at times get people. How do we wind up with this? No one in mind right now, but I'm just saying, you know, all over the place. So I want us to think of the posture of a stooping servant. One, the only way you can explain it is he had a love for them that is seemingly incomprehensible. To know all of the competition, the density, they don't get it, they don't understand it. And he just says, I would like to show you how, how thoroughly I love you, and I can only do it by stooping. Love on its knees. And uh, that's why you can't be this kind of a servant Unless God does a work in your heart. Because people are not lovely apart from the work of God. I'll never forget what Barney Ayotte said when he was with us, who was our missionary to New Guinea. Someone said, aren't the New Guinea people lovely? Wonderful. He said, there's some of the filthiest, dirtiest, most vicious, murderous people on the planet. But Paul said to the Corinthians, The love of Christ constrains me, not the loveliness of the people. He said, I'm in New Guinea because Jesus is wonderful. And Jesus told me to go there. Well, uh, something else about the posture. In verse 4, of course, he uh, took off his outer garments, he strips down to the dress of a slave. Uh, He takes the towel. He takes the basin. Everything about his posture is offensive to them because this is not the way a king acts among his subjects. The king must be bowed down to. And here he takes the towel and he strips himself. And he's just acting out in parable the very attitude he wants them to get and never forget. Uh, he said he knew who he was. He knew where he was going. And so when he had a vertical image of himself, his, his worth wasn't coming from his audience. His worth, I already know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know I've got all authority. So I'm free to be a servant to you because I don't get my worth from what you think about me. I'm not polling you to find out who I am. I already know who I am. All servants have figured out who they are before God. And that's why they could be poured out. Other folks are always trying to get all their worth. Trying to get all the pats. And and do you know who I am? How wonderful. You know, I'm wanting to be first. I'm wanting to be seen. I'm wanting to be recognized. Because you're not a servant. Not this kind. Or if you pay me, I'll do anything. The world's dirty jobs. Now, and... Uh, Fourthly, I think what's interesting, in this stooping posture, he knows he's washing the feet of dirty men and he's dealing with characters that are not worth a dime in his time of trial. Let me give you five things I think we can learn from this and give us the pattern for a stooping servant. Five things, there's much more, but I just picked these up. First of all, to do this stooping posture like Jesus did, it is in total contrast to the world's way of doing things. Our kings, our officials are carried on thrones. They're given miters. They're given long robes. All this fuss and carrying on about their position, like the Queen of England, all that pomp, circumstance, That is the way you do it. And if you're under the boot of the Roman Empire, like they were, where the emperors declared themselves to be gods, you couldn't get high enough without becoming deity. He says, uh, if you take this stooping position like me, it will be in contrast to anything in the world. Listen to Richard Nixon, that humble man. No one becomes a major leader without a strong will are without a strong ego. Unless he believes in himself, he is not going to persuade others to believe in him. And what a disaster he became. The Greeks, when you use the word uh, servant, diagonos, our word for deacon, they despised it. Two attitudes. The Greeks despised work. And uh, the Romans... Despise that. The Greeks despise even physical. Everything had to be mental, had to be wisdom. And the Romans despise servitude on any level. We come to conquer and to be served. Listen to what the Greeks said. In the Greek eyes, serving is not very dignified, ruling and not serving is proper to a man. The formula of the wise men said, how can a man be happy when he has to serve someone? They said service only has meaning if you serve the state, but you must not serve anybody else. Servanthood is despised and the Romans despised. They would not even tolerate the term humility. There was no room in Roman thought that a man is humble out out of the question. Humility is not a virtue. It's an insult. It's a sign of weakness. Uh, Judaism at this time, the, uh, no, the rabbis and them, they never served the people hands on. They would collect alms to meet needs. So they'd take an offering, but it would never be hands on. Never come in contact with who you're helping. Just send an offering, send money. A little bit different than when we go down to the park in Rodeo and we actually touch these children, touch these parents, feed these people, paint their faces, give them gifts, get their name, interact, wow, that they, they might be dirty. I guarantee you they will be, just like you were when Jesus found you. And so... Uh, if you want to serve this way, you won't find any models in the Fortune 500 companies. All oh, their humility brings them bucks. In this kingdom, it doesn't bring you bucks. It brings you fulfillment, but not bucks. Two, to be like this kind of a servant, it's a self-chosen outlook. Nobody can make you a servant. And he told the Philippians, uh, you're quarreling among each other. But I'm telling you, if you want fellowship, if you want comfort of the Spirit, if you want the benefits of the Christian fellowship, this attitude must be going on in you at all times. And it's a present tense. It's a all the time, you must be having this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although being in the exact representation of God, the form of God, he emptied himself, he humbled himself, he took the form of a slave, became like a man, and not just died, but he died a criminal's death on a cross. What is this all about? I'm telling you, Philippians, you need to start thinking like Christ in the church if you not, don't want to destroy the fellowship. Because the moment you turn on each other, you devour each other. It is the thinking of Christ that is to control the thinking we have towards one another. We're either a building full of, uh, I want to be first, my needs first, my way, my attitude, my opinion first, or we could be supernaturally a bunch of stooping servants. I'm here to meet needs.
0: And once again, we've come to the end of our time together here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we lock things up for another day of broadcasting, we do so with a a way to contact us here at Truth For Today. If you have a question, a prayer request, comment, we would love to pray for you. If you have a praise report about how the program is encouraging you in Christ, we'd love to hear that as well. A couple of ways to reach out to us, the easiest, of course, our phone number, 855-833-9864, or our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, you have another way to reach out to us, and that is, especially if you have a question or a praise report, that you would like Pastor Phil to answer. Well, simply take your voice memo app on that smartphone of yours, record your question along with who you are and where you're calling from, and then email that bit of audio to us at tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, the email address is tftquestions at valleybible.org. So email that to us, we'll run it by Pastor Phil, and should we use it on the radio, we'll even let you know when. And as always, you can again reach out to us at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. You can also write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you partner with us financially, bear in mind that we are able to continue this radio ministry through you doing just that, joining other friends and family members of this ministry to ensure that this program continues its ministry in the greater Bay Area. Please consider that as you reach out to us, and then join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.